Welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Hume, and I'm here to take you through the very latest news and views, hints, tips, and tricks to help you on your property journey. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. I hope you're doing well. Here we are now in late July, just about to trip into August, the peak holiday season. And we're going to do a topic for you today. And the theme is, should I stay or should I go? Am I better off improving my current family home or moving to another area where the house might be in poorer condition, but the road would be better? That's the topic for the day, and I'll come on to that after the headlines. But let's go through some big headlines this week from the national press, starting with the Express. And probably no surprise to most of you that are landlords that have been paying attention. uh, Rents in the UK, rents soar to the highest point in history. UK rents, that is. Rents in the UK are now higher than that at any other point in history. The Index of Private Housing Rent Prices, that's the IPHRP, shows private rental prices in the UK rose by 3% in the 12 months to June 2022. This is the largest annual growth rate since the Office for National Statistics implemented the measure in January 2016. According to the IPHRP, private rental prices grew by 2.9% in England, 1.9% in Wales and 3.5% in Scotland go Scotland. The East Midlands saw the highest annual growth in private rental prices at 4.3%, while London saw the lowest at 1.7%. Although more stable, the IPHRP comes in significantly lower than the private sector measures because it takes into account existing lets rather than focusing on just new lettings. And now one from the Telegraph, City AM and the Evening Standard. House prices are now almost nine times the average income. Now, this is not financial advice, but many of you will know that lenders work on what we call a multiple of your salary. And the marker just really in the last few years has been 4.5 times your income. And house prices are now nine times the average income. So that is a bit of a shocker. Uh, Property prices have risen to nearly nine times the average income. And that's the average disposable income, according to the Office for National Statistics data. In the year end of March, the average property in England sold for 275000 with this 8.7 times the average annual disposable household income of 31800 In Wales, the median house price was 176000 That's six times the average income of 29400 while the ratio in Scotland was 5.5% as house prices averaged 166000 Compared with a 30300 salary in London, this is the least affordable region with the lowest 10% of earners having to work 40 years to buy an average house. At the other end of the scale, an average price home in the northeast costs the equivalent of almost 12 years of income. The ONS data shows that UK house prices rose by 12.8% in May, up from 11.9% the month before, hitting an average of 283000 This is 32000 higher than typical house prices a year earlier. Another article in the Daily Mail refers to the number of house purchase fall-throughs, and this is certainly something that we found being involved in chains with other agents as well. According to data from online property platform Smooth, 34% of property transactions have fallen through in the last 12 months. 34%. That's a third of properties. That's extraordinary. And certainly, I'm glad to say our fall-through rate is much smaller, but it does go to demonstrate how things can go wrong. It says the problem may stem from a crowded housing market, as the research also revealed that new property searches were up 36% on year, with the figure climbing to 54% for first-time buyers. 
The firm's inaugural home movers report also revealed the cost of moving home, which buyers may not be able to fully recoup if a sale collapses, have also increased. As demand continues to grow, solicitors are facing capacity constraints, with the average legal fee has risen by 11% over the last 12 months. Home buyer surveys have also risen in price. The average now is 525000 and that's up 12.9%, like everything else at the moment. And on the same topic, one from City AM, homeowners on edge as inflation and interest rates rise. The cost of living crisis is putting pressure on the monthly budgets of millions of UK homeowners and of those currently looking to buy. City AM reports with the Bank of England's base rate having risen to 1.25% in June and further rises suspected in August. We'll come on to that in a minute. Many will be feeling uneasy about the financial uncertainty in the UK right now, especially those who are having to keep up with soaring property costs. The online mortgage advisor said it suspects mortgage rates will continue to climb over the coming months and those looking to buy should be mindful that they will be facing rising asking prices also, with the average price of property coming to the market also hitting its sixth consecutive record this month, increasing by 0.4%. Monthly mortgage repayments are now 20% higher than at the start of the year, according to Rightmove's latest house price index. Next article from City AM again. They did like a property article, City AM, don't they? I thought it was normally the Telegraph that came out with the quality, but here's a, an interesting one. Stamp duty. Pensioners should get a stamp duty break if they downsize home. Now, this is something we've advocated for a while. And I'll tell you why. Because there are many pensioners that we meet on a week-to-week basis that are considering moving home. But when they calculate the costs of stamp duty and moving, they decide not to. And if we could encourage those people to move to smaller properties, it would free up the larger homes that the UK so desperately needs. So I think this is important. Um, the article says pensioners should get stamp duty break if they downsize their homes. Um, House Buyers Group has suggested this. This is the National Association of Property Buyers, the NAPB, and they said the incentive would free up supply of housing and cool house prices, while also redoing the need for equity release. This comes after the NAPB, Gordon, Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss, of course, not knowing which one is going to go forward. Uh, the two remaining Conservative leadership candidates to make solving housing crisis a key priority. Now, in my opinion, if you're a regular listener, you'll know that the huge problem with government has been that we get a new housing minister every year. It's absolutely ridiculous. Housing is a long term problem and we try and make excuses for it by putting a new minister in because the last minister hasn't done enough, largely because most of the events in property come outside of the government's control. But this is one they could control would make a significant difference, I think. A spokesperson for the group said an option would be to give a stamp duty cut for pensioners if they chose to downsize. It would allow them to move without the penalty of high SDLT and would certainly encourage them to do so. Jonathan Rolanda, spokesperson, said currently a pensioner selling a family home for 700 to buy at 500 would face a 15,000 bill. And with other costs such as estate agents and solicitors, a move downward is going to cost them nearly 30,000. This is a figure many simply cannot bring themselves to pay when leaving a much loved family home. Government receipts from stamp duty have more than doubled in the last 10 years. So there is capacity to offer targeted reductions to help free up stock. And that would seem like a really good idea to me. Now, this was an interesting article for me. I, I sort of did some statistics on this. You know how we're always told about this is by the, on, another article from the Metro. And they're talking about rogue landlords they're saying rogue landlords avoid blacklisting. Uh, there's a suggestion that there's many more of them out there. But I just did some sums based on the article. And what it says is. Out of 333 authorities in England, only 23 have submitted entries to register landlords and properties that have wrongly treated their tenants. 
Now, to date, 99 offences, an average of just 25 a year have been recorded. The authorities of the highest registered number of criminal landlords were Camden with five, Liverpool with four, Salford with three, and Telford also with three. That's not many. And actually, I worked out statistically, given that there were last count around about 3.9 million tenancies. I think there's a lot more now. That was done a couple of years ago. And 250 offences. The proportion of these rogue landlords that we're told are rife everywhere by the government, and that's why they need to crack down, is actually 0.0006%. Um, just saying. Now, <laughs> locals driven out by tourists. This is a real problem in the UK now. Many of you will know that uh, staycation areas in the UK, especially since lockdown and the hybrid model of working where many people are working either full-time or part-time from home, areas outside of London are proving very popular. And this is an article in The Express, and it says that research from Hay Discount has analysed the areas where locals have been most affected by high numbers of tourists. It looked at the number of rental properties, the increase in house prices, and the estimated time it took to buy a house. Bath took the top spot and has seen prices increase by almost 80% in the last 10 years. On average, it takes around 27 years to buy a house in the city, although it doesn't have a second, uh, as many holiday property destinations as some. The Lake District took the second spot with almost 8,000 properties registered as holiday lets. Hardly surprising, beautiful part of the world. Um, but it does go to show that for locals, this is a huge problem. You know, they can't afford to buy homes where they are. And a lot of these businesses I hear are having trouble getting workers because, of course, when you outprice the area, then you can't get workers because the people that have moved in are definitely not your workers because of the level of income required to buy there. And often they're not there, which actually exacerbates the problem because local businesses have no trade because the properties are empty. So it's a real problem that the government needs to get hold of, I think. Uh, house prices have increased by over 65% in new key uh, and the top three in house prices in the cornish town have scared have soared by 65 percent while it takes 20 years to buy a house there a customer loyalty again not financial advice but one from the sun they're saying the average family is losing out because they're not taking advantage of seeking out the best deals and you know we've said for a long time now interest rates are up and they're going up further so might be worth switching your mortgage looking at switching your mortgage and that's not financial advice it's just logical protect yourself bear in mind though that there can be what we call redemption penalties that is penalties for when you want to move so make sure if you do take out a long-term fix that you want the fix for that period of time inheritance tax another bane of people's lives isn't it uh, the financial times reports that iht receipts that's inheritance tax have climbed 14 percent. the government have got 6.1 billion pounds from inheritance tax that's incredible isn't it and with this a 1.3 or 14 percent increase 1.3 billion increase on the year before hmrc data shows the increase was the largest since 2015-16 when receipts rose by 22 percent now, under current government plans, the IHT threshold will remain frozen until 2026 and families pay up to 40 percent on the value of an estate above 325,000. You did hear that correctly. Forty percent. Andy Butcher of financial planner Raymond James predicts that by the time the threshold is lifted, the number of estates liable for inheritance tax will have doubled as house prices and inflation soar. A luxurious feature could add £6,000 to the value of your home, says mortgage broker Haysto. Uh, they're saying that the air conditioning could be a value add. But actually, when you look at their numbers, they're saying it can cost between three three thousand nine hundred, and their sums say it adds about 6000 to the price of a house. I'd say it's neither here nor there at the moment. Although we're warmer, it's a good bonus. Nobody's going to buy or not buy a house on the basis of a few thousand pounds 
either way. Uh, Bank of Mum and Dad has closed its doors or is closing its doors, says the Express. Uh, what they're saying is that it may no longer be an option for those looking to buy the first property. The cost of living crisis makes helping out family members harder than ever. Almost half of those who are supported by family members financially will struggle to continue offering support over the next year, while even more are concerned about how soaring inflation will affect them. Research from Canada Life shows this, and the technical director said, Mum and Dad has played a significant role in helping loved ones, but the trend could now go into reverse as inflation continues to soar and families are being forced to make tough financial decisions. The squeezes, of course, make it even harder for first-time buyers to get on the property ladder, with the average home now costing 277000 from Land Registry, that figure, by the way. Full-time workers can now expend, expect to spend, as we've already said, nine times their average annual earnings on a home. Bailey, and this is an important one on the economy. You probably know this already, but listen up if you don't. This is from the Financial Times and the Times. Andrew Bailey, the Bank of England governor, will consider a 0.5% increase in interest rates in August. This is what Andrew Bailey said. He is the governor of the Bank of England. Remember, they're independence of government. So Sunak and Trust can do nothing about this. If he chooses to do it, he chooses to do it. Um, why he's choosing to do it is to try and control rampant inflation. The idea being that the Bank of England is independent and will react by raising interest rates when we have an inflationary problem. And we certainly have that. And the difficulty it brings is that when interest rates go up, then actually that in itself can be inflationary because people then require higher salaries in order to pay for things. But the idea is that interest rates go up, there's less cash around, and therefore we will tighten our belts and therefore the price of goods and services falls. That's the theory. Whether it works or not in today's economy remains to be seen because it's it lags. When you put up interest rates, the effect of that interest rate increase can be up to two years later. And the reason for that is purely because some people are on fixed rate mortgages and therefore it doesn't really kick in or affect them in the slightest until their rates change. And that could be some time in the future. And businesses, they have fixed rates on their loans as well. So it is a very much a lag thing to do. But the government have no other means of controlling inflation. So we can expect them to continue to try and control inflation. Of course, they're treading a very fine line because if they go too far, they will tip the economy into recession where everybody is struggling, regardless of their measures to control inflation. Many have argued that they should have acted sooner to increase interest rates. Um, that's a debate for another day. Now, should I stay or should I go? Today's topic. If you're in a lovely house and you're thinking, I might extend, and you've already priced it, as many have, and you've realised that the price is shocking because the price of building works has gone through the roof, you might be considering a move. And this week, I've had four valuations where people have said, Ken, should I be looking to move or should I be looking to improve? And my question is always the same. How long do you want to be in this house? That's the first question. And if the answer is five years or less, then my answer tends to be, I would say nine times out of 10, that they're better off not extending and selling the property pretty much in the condition it's in, with maybe some improvements and tweaks to present it better. Gardening and cleaning takes nothing. Decluttering takes nothing in terms of financial resources. But an extension, a rear extension, I was just talking to a client yesterday, and they were looking at a five-metre extension on the back of their house, and the price they'd been given for that was over £100,000. And when they looked at that and asked me, would it add £100,000 onto the value, we worked out that marginally, maybe, maybe not. And so then we looked around the area and 
what we found was that that extra 100,000 would buy you, this is a terraced house, would buy you a semi-detached house with a garage in a better road. So the question then becomes, should I do these things to my house to keep up with the Joneses next door because they've got bifold doors and a lovely island kitchen? Or would I be better off moving to a house that's perhaps the same as mine or worse, but actually in a better street? And the answer is invariably, although there are costs associated with stamp duty, that the move is better than the improve if you can afford to do it. And the reason is simply this. The three things are important when you're buying a house. Area, area, area. Otherwise known as location, location, location. It's true. You can do what you like to a house, but the one thing you can never do is move it. So be very careful when you're looking to price major works on your house. The first thing you should do is go to right move and search houses on your street and get a feel for what they're going for, what the prices are. And if you can find one that's perhaps got the extension that you're intending to do, what price is that asking? Did it achieve it? Speak to local agents like myself so they can give you a good gauge on whether that works, because often that 200, 300,000 that can easily be spent will not be returned to your pocket should you wish to move in the short term. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Of course, if it's for you and your family and you're staying there for life and you can afford it, why not? But the reality for most of us is that there will be a time that we might want to sell. And that's why you have to ask yourself honestly and look in the mirror. Do I wish to sell in the next five years? And my advice is normally if you wish to sell in the next five years, bearing in mind by the time you've done much most major works, it's going to take you six to 12 months, whatever the builders say. And that's without delays. And by the way, without further inflationary costs. And I would always suggest in today's market, especially at a minimum of 20 percent contingency over whatever the builders told you, because there will be extras or there will be luxuries that you'll want along the way. And in my experience, it usually goes over budget by 50 percent, believe it or not. So be very, very careful. And so when you're talking about 100, if it goes over by 50 percent, that's all of a sudden 150. Now, the difference is your house is worth 600. It could be worth seven with the improvements, but it's going to cost you 750. Is it worth it? Well, that's for you to decide if it's a lifestyle choice and you're going to live there for the next 10 years. It'll come out in the wash because house prices will be vastly different 10 years from now than they are today. But if it's in the shorter term, maybe five years, I'll be very careful before doing those major works, not least because if you haven't done it before, let me tell you, it's very stressful. You will go through many stresses and different choices, even if your builders are excellent. If your builders are not excellent, it can be a hugely traumatic experience. I've been to sites where literally the builders have walked off because they've asked for more money because of the inflationary times that were in the person that had the quote was sticking to their guns and then they get left with a half finished extension and then of course the new builders come in and they price it at the same or more than the builders even after the increase so it can be hugely stressful so think very carefully if a you can deal with the upheaval and often it's a real struggle frankly and b whether the end justifies the means you know i saw a young lady that had a house beautiful house that was edwardian in architecture and she'd restored everything there, right down to the sash windows, the detail of the original style fireplaces for the house, strip black, all of the floorboards, literally brass pipes coming down the high level WCs, stunning, all the original cornice restored and an extension put on that was in keeping with the original style of the house. And the cost of the works that she carried out were around about 300,000. And in this case, she was very shocked when I told her that the increase value add was around about 100,000 because there's a limit to every road and she's still a terraced house, doesn't have any parking. 
And of course, there's a limit to how far people will go in terms of price, how much they will pay before they'll say, well, no, I, I don't wish to live in this road when I can buy something at 100,000 more, which maybe has that garage, has that parking, has that bigger garden, is in a better location. So be very, very careful when you're thinking of extending. Really look in the mirror. Um, have a chat with your local. I mean, we're local and independent. A lot of our clients know us very well. So they tend to pick up the phone to us and have a chat with us about improvements. And some things work, some things don't. Even the cost of conversion now, a lot of houses that we see where people are intending to convert into flats, when we work the numbers backwards and the cost of conversion now being so high, as much as 150000 per flat, by the time you add that back into the value of the house as it is today, unless you're getting a substantial number of units out of the site, frankly, it's not doable for most people. So be very careful. Make sure you do your research thoroughly. Chat to your trusted local estate agent and see whether it's best for you to move or improve. And if you're staying long term, I'm not saying you should feel guilty about making fantastic improvements to your home. Why not? Love it, live it, enjoy it. But I am saying that should you come to sell that home in the short term, you may be shocked that the gain is not as substantial as the investment you've put in. So I hope that's helpful for you today. Uh, we'll be back next time with another edition and some more property news, views and advice. Hope you have a great week. Thanks so much for listening. If you have enjoyed the show, we'd be very grateful if you could review us on whatever platform provider you're looking on and let people know, uh, share, like and let us know. Do send me an email, ken at jamesalexander.com. If you have any questions or anything you'd like me to raise on the show, more than happy to do that. And good luck with your house buying and selling choices. That's it for this week. Take care. Look after your friends and family. Ciao. Thank you so much for joining us on yet another edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers podcast. You can find out more at our website, jamesalexander.com. You can email me directly, ken at jamesalexander.com. We are estate agents and we can give you hints, tips, tricks and advice wherever you're buying, selling, moving to or from. Thanks to Ben Sounds for the intro and outro today and thanks to Jack Bowles for production.